Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning. Today is Mission Sunday. We'll be taking up a special offering at the end of the service for our missions outreaches around the world. We'll have a quick missions update. Take a look at our numbers. Where are we at here? Here we go. $146,555 so far this year. Over last year, we're excited about that. We have a uh, special video update as well. Hi, Celebration Church. I'm Peter Tang from Myanmar. Love Children Home and Disciple Bible College and Seminary that you are spotting now. Thank you so much for your support and especially sending teams every year to us to help us to cure the children and to help the Bible school. We are so excited for this coming October team already and especially we are so exciting for the three teams that you are making children team medical team and construction team so medical team will take care of all the health of our children and bible students so thank you so much and construction team we are going to paint the domes and start the water tank that you support us to build for the bible school so thank you so much and then for the children team thank you so much for you are going to share your love that the children really passed in their heart so thank you so much god bless you we pray for you and please continue to pray for us and support us thank you <laughs> amen <clears throat> Well, Pastor Bob has some updates more about what's going on over there. All right. We are, we've got a team of 18 people. We take off October 5th, and it's going to be a great team. Three different teams, as Pastor Peter mentioned from Myanmar. Uh, one of the exciting things we've done is we built a medical clinic last year. We've got a doctor and several nurses that are going with to take care of the kids. They've got 200 kids in their orphanage, another 80 Bible college students. It's all part of what we support when we talk about missions here at Celebration Church. So that's the medical team. He talked about the kids. We're putting on a camp for these kids all week long. These kids that live.
live in this orphanage. It's really going to be incredible. And lastly, the construction team this year, we are building a water tower. So I know we've connected a lot at Celebration Church, building water wells around the world. We're putting up a water tower this year in Myanmar so they can have clean, healthy water to drink. So thank you for giving. Give yourselves a hand. We are doing some great things around the globe. Thank you so much. All right. Well, earlier this year, I was in Stockton, California, which is uh, just outside of uh, the San Francisco area, and I had the privilege to be at a church there doing one of our conferences. And uh, it's kind of interesting church as we're driving. We kept getting in the poorer and poorer part of the city. And I'm thinking, where is this place? <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, in the middle of all this, is this $10 million facility of this church. And, and what they had done is while most churches are moving away from those areas to go out in the suburbs, they keep getting further and further out, uh, this church did the opposite. They went and built their brand new beautiful facility right in the poorest part of town so they could continue to reach out to people with the gospel of Christ uh, and minister. So it was very impressive. It was a great church. We had a blast. The pastor and I connected very quickly and uh, even though he's a 49ers fan, I said, we need to bring you up to Green Bay and uh, give you a baptism, <clears throat> turn you into a Packers fan. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he's here with us today. I'm taking him to the game this afternoon. Ought to be a lot of fun at Lambeau Field. But uh, open up your hearts received from Pastor Glenn Shields this morning. Come on, brother. Good morning. Amen. How many of you come expecting a blessing? You're going to have to talk back to me. How many of you come expecting a blessing? Amen. Now, if you come expecting a blessing, you're going to receive a blessing. But if you come looking for fault, fault is what you're going to find. For you see, there is no perfect church. And if you ever find one, make sure you don't join it because you're going to mess it up. Amen. <laughs> it is good. We bring you greetings from uh, Progressive Community Church in Stockton, California. Again, your pastor was there uh, with us uh, doing his laugh, your way to a better uh, marriage conference. And he and I just clicked. We clicked from the very beginning. I think it's because we both a little crazy. That's what it was. <laughs> But uh, we had a wonderful time with his wife, a beautiful wife, Debbie. Um, I am Glenn Shields, senior pastor at the Progressive Community Church, lead pastor. Been married for 35 years. Um, I have uh, four, four adult children, my old three boys, one girl. My oldest son is 34. Uh, my second son is 32. My baby boy is 31. And my baby, who's my daughter, is 29. They are all grown and gone. Somebody say amen. <laughs> all right. Let us, let us uh, open up in a word of prayer. And, uh, and we'll preach the text since I only have 30 minutes. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for... Uh, allowing me to come in to share. Uh, Holy Spirit, your people have not come to listen to me, but they've come expecting a word from thee. Help me to decrease that thou may increase. Do what only you can, and once you've done it, I'll get out the way, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Turn with me now to a very familiar passage of Scripture in Genesis uh, chapter 22. Genesis 22 those of you who have a Bible, let me see your Bible so I know what I'm dealing with here. Uh, okay, all right. Genesis, 
All right, Genesis 22. Now, if you're still looking for Genesis, don't tell nobody. All right, Genesis 22, verse, verse 1. And we find these words. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Go down to verse 11. And he says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. This morning, I simply want to talk about it's only a test. It's only a test. We have any educators here? Teachers, most teachers, educators, if they're good, will tell you that tests are given for evaluation. Tests are giving, are given that the instructor might measure what that student has learned or is learning. The Bible says that God tested Abraham. Now, I want you to notice something. God does not tempt you, but he will test you. Temptation comes from the devil and from self. That temptation is there to lead you into destruction. But God will test you to build you. He will test you to grow you. Now, if I was God, I would not have chosen tests, trials, and tribulations to grow up my people. But I'm not God. And he didn't check with me. And, and God will test you to build you. Amen? The scripture says that God tested Abraham. Now, I want you to stay with me. Abraham was 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, 90 when their son Isaac was born. Now I want you to imagine waiting 100 years for something and then once you have it, being asked to give it up. What would your response be? What would you do? I'm talking about this is something you've been praying for. You finally have it. Now that you possess it, God says I want you to Give it up. I want you to give it back. I remember uh, earlier in my life, I was in my 30s, and I used to have, uh, I used to collect, um, well, I didn't collect them, but I was a Volkswagen enthusiast. So I had, I had several Volkswagens. And I bought this 1966 drop-top Carmen Ghia convertible, just beautiful. And so, and I had this other little Volkswagen that I had just put a brand new engine in. And so I, I come home one day and my wife says, honey, listen, there's a couple who are, who are our friends who need a car. <laughs> and I said, okay, no problem. Uh, I've just got this Carmen Ghia, so I will sell them another car. And she says, no, don't have any money. I said, well, no problem. I'll give them the car on payment plan. 
She said, no, they're broke. I said, well, no, I'll give them, but I'll make the payments affordable. So I went to the couple, told the couple they were happy with the payments. After they made the first payment, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I didn't tell you to sell it to them. I told you to give it to them. I said, my car? He said, said, no, it's not. I thought it was my car. And you were just a steward over the car. Are you willing to let it go? So I had to let that car go. God told Abraham, I want you to give up your son. This son that you have been waiting for for a hundred years, now you have him, and now I want you to let him go. Here's the first point. If you're a Christian, you're going to have to expect tests in your life. Tests will come. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. Now the question is, after what things? Well, Abraham lied several times down in Egypt. Amen. Uh, He uh, lied about his wife. Uh, He he tried to deceive some folk. He he even um, uh, took his wife's maid servant, had a baby with her. By the way, he received help for that. He goes on and on and he continues to flunk. And God says, now listen, I want to do some great things for you, but before I do the next thing I want to do in your life, I need to see if you learned anything. I need to see if you have developed. I need to see if you have grown any. Abraham, I have a blessing for you, but before the blessing." You need to pass this test. By the way, testing always precedes promotion. Someone under the sound of my voice, you may be in, being tested right now. And God says, I need to see if you learned anything. I need to see if you have developed. I need to see if you have grown any. I've been hearing your prayers, but I need to see if you really are who you think you are. And so God will allow test. Here's the point. God never sends a test until he knows that you are ready for it. What are you saying? Come here, Job. How many of you know, remember the story of Job? God, uh, God called a meeting of his created intelligence, and the Bible says that the devil showed up. And God asked the devil, said, devil, where you been? And the devil says, I've been roaming to and fro. Matter of fact, I've been roaming in Green Bay looking for somebody to get. <laughs> and, then, and then God told Job, he said, listen, have you considered my servant Job? He said, yeah, I consider Job. But you got this hedge around him and I can't touch him. Now, why don't you stay with me? God brings up Job's name. Job minding his own business. Job is being faithful. Job is being loving his family, loving his wife. Job is handling everything he's supposed to handle. God brings up Job's name. Have you considered my servant Job? Job doesn't even know he's being discussed. He has no idea that his name is even brought up. 
And the devil said, yeah, I've tried, I've tried to get him, but you got this hedge around him, so I can't touch him. Remove the hedge. And you know what God says? Okay. Okay. You say, that's not right. It's not fair. You are right, but it's not about you. And we don't always get to choose how we will bring glory to God. You don't always get to choose how God will use you. And some of you are going through some tough things right now. Some of you are going through some heartache and heartbreak right now. And God says, I want you to know something. I have trusted you with the suffering. I have decided that you have what you need to go through this, even though it's tough. I'm with you. And so the Bible says God tested Abraham. Stay with me. Verse 2. Then he said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I, I shall tell you. Point two. When tests come, focus on God's promises, not explanations. Sometimes God will call us into things and he will not explain to you and I why we over there. You just need to focus on what God has said. Don't focus on trying to understand what you're going through. Because oftentimes what you're going through, you simply will not understand. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to do what we don't want to do. How do you respond to God when what he's asking you seems to be unbearable? When God sends a trial or a test, he doesn't always attach an explanation. Abraham, you've been praying, you've been faithful, I've given you this boy, now I want you to sacrifice him. It does not make sense. It does not make any logical sense. In fact, God, this can't be you. Why would you give me a child and now you tell me to sacrifice this child. And for some of you under the sound of my voice, you've been praying about some things. Life has taken a turn on you without your permission. It has taken that turn and you're trying to figure out what is happening. It does not make sense. This just does not seem fair. But I want you to remember something. It's only a test. All things work together for the good to them who love God. Nothing that you go through, God has not given it permission. God is building you in ways that you would never be built up outside of trials and tribulations. You have to trust him. Look at verse 3. So early... So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood up for the offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, I want you to notice something in the midst of, of these trials. When he hears from God, what does he do? He responds immediately. Why? When God is asking you to do something you don't want to do. If you don't respond immediately, you'll get tricked out of obedience. When God is asking you to do that which is difficult, 
And once you know it's God, you don't need to take any time to think about it. Because if you think about it, you're going to think your way out of doing what God wants you to do. He gets up immediately and does what God tells him to do. Now, I want you to notice something, ladies. No, men, I want you to notice something. Men in the text notice Abraham does not check with his wife first. <laughs> notice in the text. He does not check with Sarah and say, Sarah, God just told me to take Isaac and sacrifice him. Ladies, what would have happened if Abraham would have told Sarah? Sarah would have been like, listen, first of all, he's not going anywhere. And if, and if anybody needs to be sacrificed, it's going to be you. But you're not taking this boy anywhere. Listen, everybody cannot handle what God is telling you. And you're not going to be able to get confirmation from everybody. Sometimes God tells you some things he's not telling anybody else. And it's for you. And it's for you only. And, and what we usually end up doing is when we hear something that we don't want to do, we go find somebody that's going to agree with us that we don't need to do it. And God still hasn't changed his mind. Verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, I want you to really stay with me. Now, Mark, quickly now, I'm seeing 14 minutes. I mean, I've been preaching 14 minutes. Going down. All right. I, I got I to get used to this. I can preach. This. <laughs> right. so, so listen. So he says, go, Abraham. Now, I want you to go. And I'm going to show you where you're going once you start going. I'm not going, to, uh, I'm not going to tell you before you get there. While you're on the journey, I will show you. You won't experience what I have for you until you start going. Some of you under the sound of my voice, you are waiting for God to manifest and show it all. And God says, I'm not going to do anything until you move by faith. Some things you will never understand and some things you will never see until you step in faith. Abraham gets up, gets up early. He moves. Now, this is the part that gets me. The Bible says on the third day. Now I want you to think about that. You moving somewhere you don't want to go. I can understand the first day I step, move. Okay, God, I've been waiting. I ain't seen nothing, so maybe I miss you. I need to go. It's time to go back. No. Day number two. All day. Still doesn't see the place. Some of you have stepped out. And because God hasn't moved as fast as you want him to move, you have abandoned the plan. Some of you started off in the right direction, but because God did not move according to your timetable, you have decided that God's not saying what he's saying. No, by faith, you have to stay until God shows you the place. Only God will give you the release date. You have to continue to move. On the third day, 
Abraham looks up and he sees the place. Abraham's obedience was not based on his understanding or his feelings, but upon faith and trust in God. Do you trust your circumstances or do you trust God? Do you trust what you see and what you feel or do you trust God? Remember, it's a test. Verse 5, and Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkeys. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Stop right there. Abraham says to his servants, me and the boy, we're going to go worship. But you can't go with us. You stay here. And we're going to worship, and we're coming down. Two things you need to see. Abraham knew that those servants could not handle what God had called him to do. And so Abraham said, listen, you are going to interfere with what God wants me to do, so you stay here. Some of you are trying to take people along with you that are not prepared to go with you. Everybody cannot go where you want to go. And sometimes you got to leave people, some people behind in order for you to reach the destination that God is calling you to go to. He said, now listen. But here's the faith piece. He says, you stay here. The lad and I, we're going to go worship. And then we're coming back. <laughs> now, now, now you need to get this. He says, God, you told me it was going to be through Isaac that my offspring would be reckoned. So I know you don't lie. So if you said it, I believe it. So look, look how what Abraham rationalized. He says, I'm going up on a mountain. I'm going to kill Isaac. God's going to raise him up from the dead. And we coming back down the mountain. You talking about faith. You talking about trusting. See, God puts us in situations sometimes where we have to simply die to ourselves. And the only way this thing is going to work is if God, if you either you're going to show up or you're not. And God says, what is it going to be? So Abraham takes Isaac. Takes him up, leaves, leaves the, the young, his servants behind. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Point three, God, uh, uh, expect God's promises to lead to God's provision. Verse 7, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, this is where I would have lost it. He said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I'd have lost it right there, Mark. Because I know, knowing that you are the offering. I've been like, look, God, when you told me to leave my country, I left it. When you told me to go to a place I didn't know where I was going, I went. God, when you told me to do this and that, I did it all. But this is too much. Anybody ever been there? This 
is too much. Every now and again, God calls us to things that are way beyond us. That our dependence is going to have to be totally on him. They continued verse 9. And then they came to the place in which God had told them Abraham built an altar there and the place and placed the wood in, or, in, in order. He bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, most of us misunderstand this story. Most theologians, most people, when I'm talk, preaching about Isaac, you're thinking about somebody that's 10, 11, 6, 7 years old. Most theologians agree, and I concur, that Isaac was somewhere between 21 and 22 years old. You're talking about a grown man. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Men, this is crucial. Abraham had lived in such a way that his son Isaac trusted him. That his son so believed in him that his son was willing to submit to his daddy. Abraham could not have bound Isaac. Isaac could have put something on Abraham. Abraham, old man, boy, he could went upside Abraham's head. But because of the model, Isaac was willing to submit and to allow his dad to time up. Stay with me. Here's some basic facts about finding God's purpose. Where it is found in the place of his assignment. We have no right to expect provisions of God if we are not in a place of his will. When is it found? In the process of his assignment. When we have the need and not a moment sooner. Abraham was obedient with hand in the air when God moved on his behalf. It wasn't until Abraham had the knife in the air coming down that the angel showed up, hold it, wait. God now knows that you're faithful. God now knows that you can be trusted. God knows it because you are, you are willing to sacrifice your only son. Hold it. You passed the test. And he looked over and there was a ram caught in the thicket. Stay with me. What are you saying, preacher? Someone said, if God says run your head through a brick wall, take off running and God will put a hole there when you need it. <laughs> Do not stretch out your hand against the boy. Do nothing, for now I know that you fear God. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Let me give you a story up close and personal, and I'll take my seat. My parents died when I was 12 years old. Well, let me correct that. 
My mother died when I was 12 years old. My father abandoned the family when I was a baby. My mother's baby, I was born in Chicago, Illinois. My mother's baby sister took on, uh, once my mother died, my aunt took on my mother's four children. My father was absentee, abandoned the family. When they decided, once my mother died, we moved from Chicago, that's when I went to California. Was raised the rest of the time in California. When I got married, my wife says, Honey, don't you care whether or not your father is dead or alive? I mean, are you ready to have a baby? I said, No. How you gonna miss what you never had? And in all truthfulness to me, he's dead because he's never been there for me. My wife says, I'm going to pray that if it's God's will that you run into your dad. I was a peace officer at that time. I was 22 years old. I said, well, you pray. <laughs> I'm not praying. And i never forget, I get off shift, come home, my aunt that raised me and my wife are in the, our little apartment. They're in my living room, and they're both cheesing, and I'm saying, what's going on? And they said, your father called. It was like something on, like on Oprah Winfrey or something. <laughs> said, my father, what are, you, what are you talking about? And it was true. And when I talked to him, he said, listen, have no excuses have no reason. After all of these years, I found you and I'm just wanting to know if you and I can have a start. Came at me the right way. I talked to my mother, I talked to my wife, I talked to my pastor, and all of them said, you should go sing. Remember, I'm 22. Thank God I just got saved. <laughs> I get on a plane, Fly to Chicago. Step off the plane, I see a man look like a skid row bum. Talking about this test. See a man look like a skid row bum. Man who looked like life had dealt him a bad hand. And looking at him, I was ashamed of him. I was confused. I was a whole lot of different mixed emotions. I heard a little voice clear as day say, you can accept him or you can reject him. But whatever you do, he's still your father. I wrapped my arms around this man I didn't know, told him I loved him. I took him to the barbershop, got his hair cut, took him to the store, put some clothes on him, rented a car for the week that I was there, the week that I had some transportation. He was able to tell me some things about myself I never knew. He would tell me some things about my, about my family I never knew. I got a chance to meet aunties and uncles and, and folk that I didn't even know existed. We got a chance to know each other, got a chance to love each other. Six months later, he died. I said, God, I don't understand. Why did you allow the man to come into my life and then he die? And God said to me so clearly, your father died a long time ago. My father was an alcoholic, but he was also a drug addict. I, I know he was an alcoholic, but I didn't know he was on them drugs. And he said, he died a long time ago, and the reason I let him exist was for you. Because I wanted you to see him, and the reason I wanted you to see him for, was for you to understand that the only difference between you and your father is me. And if it wasn't for me, you would be your dad. I'm the reason that you got a college education. I'm the reason that your kids know your name. I'm the reason that you are who you are. Don't you ever forget it. 
Little did I know that one day I would be standing to be a pastor and preaching and teaching the good news. And God says, before you could do that, I got to make sure that you understand my forgiveness. That you understand my love. And God wants to promote some of you right now. And God says, listen, it is a test. But if you trust me, you're going to get there. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the test of life. And these tests are often very difficult. But Lord, remind us today, no matter what it looks like, you will be with us. That you will strengthen us. So give us courage to follow you, no matter what it looks like. In Jesus' name. Amen.